0: Critics of the recently passed $1.7 trillion omnibus bill have to admit it has a few silver linings for retirement accounts. Hi, I'm Rob West when congress is involved you have to take a win whenever you can get it and the new legislation is a definite win for retirement savers with a 401k 403b or roth ira i'll talk about it today and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000 800-525-7000 this is faith and finance biblical wisdom for your financial decisions Okay, so we recently talked about how the new spending package passed by Congress contains an important provision for folks with unused money and 529 education savings accounts. 529 money has to be spent on qualified education expenses, and that's always been a sticking point for folks who want to save for their kids' education. If there's money left over or the child decides not to go to college, the 529 plan holder was stuck. Spending it on anything but education draws a 10% penalty. But starting in 2024, up to $35,000 of that money can be rolled into a Roth IRA if it's been in the account for 15 years. This is a big break for parents who put money aside for their kids ahead of their own retirement. The money can also be rolled into the child's Roth account if parents don't need the money. So that's a big win but the legislation has several more wins for retirement savers. It enables employers to help workers save for emergencies. It helps workers repaying student loan debt and makes retirement plans more accessible to part-time workers. But folks with a Roth account may get the biggest win coming out of the legislation, whether it's a Roth IRA or Roth 401k. If you're new to investing, here's how these plans work. Uh, Money contributed to Roth Roth accounts is taxed differently from conventional employer accounts like 401Ks and 403Bs. With those accounts, contributions are made with so-called pre-tax money. You get a deduction on your tax form that year. But when you retire and withdraw that money, it's taxed as regular income based on whatever tax bracket you're in at the time. With Roth accounts, your contributions are taxed going in. You get no deduction for that money when you file your taxes that year. But when you withdraw that money later in life, presumably when your income is higher and you're in a higher tax bracket, you don't have to pay taxes on it. There are income restrictions that prevent higher earners from opening Roth accounts and other rules to follow, but for the majority of folks, Roth accounts are very attractive. And there are actually two types of Roth accounts. One is a Roth IRA, and you can set one up on your own with any brokerage account like Fidelity or Schwab. Then there's the Roth 401k that your employer can offer. Now, since money going into a Roth IRA is already taxed, in other words, Uncle Sam got his share up front, those account holders don't have to start withdrawing that money when they reach age 72. They're not subject to required minimum distributions, and they can just let the money grow. But that hasn't been the case with Roth 401ks. They were subject to the same rules as a conventional 401k. Account holders have been required to begin taking minimum distributions at age 72 Uh, the new legislation wipes out that requirement for roth 401ks starting in 2024 another big win for retirement investors another win involves matching contributions employers can offer them to roth 401ks just like with regular 401ks Right now, employer matching contributions to Roth 401ks have to go into the employee's regular 401k account and be subject to taxes in retirement. But the new legislation will allow employers to put their matching contributions into an employee's Roth or conventional 401k. Why is that a win? Well, remember that the benefit of a Roth account is that you pay taxes on contributions when your income is probably lower, and so is your tax rate. Then later in life, when you're earning more and probably in a higher tax bracket, no taxes are due on withdrawals. The more money that goes into the Roth side of a 401k, the better off you're likely to be, and the legislation allows for that. So some big changes are coming in 2024. We hope this information helps you make wise decisions about your retirement savings. Psalm 2723 tells us, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. I'm Rob West and we'll be right back. Stick around. 45,000. That's
1: how many times Faith and Finance referred a listener to a certified kingdom advisor last year. And for good reason. These are trusted financial, legal, and accounting professionals who have completed a rigorous certification program to ensure biblically wise financial advice as part of their practice. You can find a local CKA professional in your area by going to faithfi.com and clicking on the Find a CKA button on the homepage. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Unions, cards that give to missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The Credit Union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required.
0: Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. All right, it's time to turn the corner and take your calls and questions on anything financial. Tell us what you're thinking about. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. That's 800-525-7000. We've got some lines open at the moment, so we'd love to hear from you. We're going to begin today in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Jacob, you'll be our first caller. Go ahead, sir.
1: Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, I just...
0: Oh, Jacob, I think we lost you there for a moment. Uh, Let's see if we can get you back. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Um, Let's try that again. Go ahead, sir.
1: Okay. Um, I just got married in July, and we're working through budget stuff. Um, So my wife likes to do monthly budgets, and I am – Exploring weekly budget, so I was just curious if you have any tips or tricks on which one we should do uh, that works the best.
0: Yeah, I mean, my experience is that the monthly budget works a little better, but you can do a hybrid of sorts where you're doing a monthly budget. That is, you know what it takes to fund your household over a month's time. Usually, you know, most bills are going to come in monthly, and then you can kind of figure out your discretionary spending for a typical 30-day period. And then you can take any annual expenses or semi-annual expenses and divide them by 12 or by six to figure out how much you should be putting aside, uh, you know, if you're saving for home maintenance and you want to put away 1% of the home value a year, you can, you know, take one-twelfth of that and and put that aside. And, you know, it just gives you kind of a, a rhythm to focus your spending around, but you can allocate your paycheck if you're using, let's say, the envelope system, either in a physical form or a digital form like we offer in the FaithFi app you can uh allocate to your envelopes based on you know every paycheck uh which gives you the ability depending on whether you get paid weekly or biweekly or monthly uh to take those paychecks and say okay we want to we want to know what we're going to spend over a typical 30-day period and make sure we've got everything captured but as we get paid we know kind of out of each check, how we're going to fund each of our envelopes. Again, whether that's electronic on a spreadsheet or, you know, in an app like ours or physically where you're actually funding those envelopes, we know what's going in each envelope out of every pay period. And that way we can build that around when things come due. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that does. Um, You, you mentioned pulling it out of every paycheck. Is there, like, do I take a percentage of the paycheck or how does that, um, how does that work? Like just so I I don't take too much for one thing.
0: Sure. And that would be, you know, it'd be great if everything was due on the last day of the month. And if you can get a month ahead, you know, that would be even better just because you don't have to worry about the timing. But until you get there, it may require you to actually look at when things come due throughout the month and then decide, okay, which things do I need to fund out of the first check and which things come out of the second check and actually, you know, fund it that way. And that's the way we built the FaithFi app. So essentially, if you were to jump into the app you would connect it to your funding accounts which would typically be your checking account might be a checking and a savings account or a couple of savings accounts you'd tell it that you want that to be a part of the balance that's available for funding and then you'd go up and set them set up automatic transfers to happen that correspond with the each uh, you know pay period uh, into and funding from those accounts into each of the envelopes it's not actually moving money it's just taking that balance and it's allocating to those digital envelopes, and then as the transactions come in, uh, you actually it would automatically apply the transactions to each envelope and reduce the amount that's available. If you do that, you know, in a more manual form, you would again, you know, look at all the things that you have to spend on a monthly basis, and you'd look at the due dates, and then you'd actually, you know, fund those envelopes physically or electronically, uh, you know, based on making sure that the money is available in the envelope. When it's needed. And so that might be early in the month for your food category because you got to go to the grocery store or keep gas in the car, you know, for a utility or a credit card payment. Hopefully you're paying that off every month and only using it for budgeted items. You might sync the funding of that up, you know, with, um, you know, the timing of when it's actually due. So it does involve, you know, some, kind of work on the front end just to figure out, okay, what's truly an accurate picture of what we're spending every month? What control system are we using once we have the budget in place? To make sure we 're controlling the flow of money and getting the dollars to the place we intended them to go, and that 's especially true with the discretionary categories and then what method of control are we going to use? Do we want to use a smartphone app? do we want to use an Excel spreadsheet, or are we actually going to go you know more tactile more manual and and fund you know actual envelopes with cash? Um, which system do you think is going to work best for you guys
1: i 'm not entirely sure i 've um I've tried to use the iPhone apps a little bit before and they work for a short time, but then I just, I guess I lose the the traction on it. So I've recently developed a spreadsheet type one and I'm kind of thinking that and maybe envelopes might work for us, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think the key is to find something that works for you, regardless of who you decide is going to be the bookkeeper, Jacob, between you and your wife. You know, whoever is probably more detail oriented, maybe enjoys finances a little more than the other. You make decisions together, you set the budget together, you use it as an instrument of peace and unity in the marriage. But one person is the bookkeeper. And I think, you know, the system that you use is probably going to be what works best for both of you and the bookkeeper in particular. Uh, if you want, want to try another smartphone app just to see if this one might work for you. Uh, the FaithFi app that we spent a couple of years developing and have a team of developers constantly improving it is built on the digital, well, it's built on the envelope system in a modern, simple digital expression. And um, we have a team of people that uh, would be delighted to kind of walk alongside you to help, it, help you get it set up and get it working well for you. We've got, you know, thousands and thousands of our listeners using it every day. So uh, if you want to get give that a shot. I'd be happy to give you a six month pro subscription. But if you want to go more with the physical envelope, the key is what works best for you. And to your point, what are you going to stick with? Because, you know, especially as you all are getting started, you're only a, a year into your marriage, you know, getting this area right where you guys have good open communication, you've got a good plan in terms of your goals and your priorities and your lifestyle that's based on your values as believers and getting a system that works for you to control the flow of money, not to restrict anybody, but, uh, you know, allowing you each to have your own kind of piece of the budget for some spending money, but, you know, the bulk of it, you jointly decide together and it allows you to kind of move toward those God-given goals that you have, whether that's saving for a home purchase or a car, putting aside for retirement, meeting your giving goals, you know, whatever that might be. And I think, uh, you know, probably looking at that on a monthly basis, but then finding a system to control that uh, based on your pay periods, the due dates, and just your money temperament, if you will, your wiring, I think is the key key to making that sustainable does all that make sense
1: definitely does thank you very much i appreciate it
0: you're welcome. Hey, as our gift to you, I'd like to do two things for you, Jacob. Uh, if you hold the line, we'll get your information. I want to send you a copy of Howard Dayton's book, Money and Marriage God's Way. It's a great resource. Maybe you and your new bride can uh, sit down and read through that a chapter at a time, uh, You know, maybe a chapter a week, and just use that as the basis for a discussion to talk about how you can really understand God's heart and design for money and marriage. Uh, I'd also like to give you that six-month pro subscription to the Money Wise app, and now called the Faith. App and see if uh, that might be a good resource for you. And again, our team at no cost would be happy to walk alongside you with some Zoom meetings to get all that set up. So stay on the line. We'll get your information and get all that right out to you. God bless you, my friend, and congrats on your marriage. Hey, Jack, Alex, Susan, coming your way next. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Absolutely free. We know you've learned to be suspicious of those words, but really, you can get biblical financial wisdom delivered to your inbox absolutely free. Articles, videos, podcasts, and special offers on biblical resources. More than 50,000 people receive our free weekly wisdom email, and you can too. Create your free faith and finance account. Just visit faithbuy.com and click sign up.
1: If the heavy burden of debt is robbing you of freedom and peace of mind, Christian Credit Counselors can help. We're a nationwide nonprofit credit counseling organization that has helped over 300,000 individuals in the last 27 years get out of credit card debt 80% faster while honoring that debt in full. To learn how Christian Credit Counselors can help you, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org or call 800-557-1985.
0: Welcome back to faith and finance. I'm Rob West, your host. We're taking your calls and questions today. What are you thinking about financially speaking? We'd love to apply the wisdom from the scriptures to your financial decisions and choices. So give us a call. Tell us what you're thinking about. We've got some lines open today, perhaps one just for you. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. And uh, let's head right back to the phones to Jackson, Mississippi. We go. Hey, Jack, thanks for calling, sir. Go ahead.
2: Hey, I had a question for you about my 401k sure. account. I have, I have about 800000 in it, and someone had told me I'd be better off to draw money out of my 401k to retire on until I was 70 to start taking my Social Security. So I was just wondering what you thought on that. Yeah. I'll well, be 66 probably when I retire, so I'd be four okay. years I'd be pulling out, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: and how much would you need to pull out of that account each year?
2: Uh, probably about between forty and fifty thousand.
0: Okay, and what do you have built up in there? You said about eight hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so you know, you'd be pulling at five percent. You know, that would be forty thousand a year. You think that would just about do it?
2: It'd be close unless something, you know, came up. Yeah.
0: Okay. Very good. Yeah. I mean, the reason they're telling you to do that is for every year you wait uh, in t- uh between full retirement age and age 70 and taking your Social Security, your monthly check is going to increase by about 8% a year. So the question is, are you going to do better than 8% a year? Assuming you live long enough to be repaid on what you gave up, And then you've enjoyed that check that's 8%. Or if you wait, you know, all the way between, uh, full retirement and age and age 70, um, you know, you probably have between 24 and 30% that you'd be adding to your check that you'd get for the rest of your life. Um, typically that works out to about 11.7 years. And so if you don't take it at full retirement age, you take it at age 70, as long as you live, you know, at least 11.7 years, then at that point you've been made whole for what you gave up during those years you didn't collect. And now, you know, from that point forward, you, uh, you know, are enjoying a much higher check. So you've got to get from 70 to, let's say, you know, 81, 82 years old. And then for the rest of your life, you have that higher amount. Um, so if the Lord tarries, and we don't know about that, <laughs> and if you're in good health, and, you know, uh, we don't know about that either, but we, you know, we certainly can look at family history and longevity and just kind of your overall health and say, you know, based on life expectancy, once you reach age 65 for a male, I think the last time I looked, once you get to 65, life expectancy is 83 years old. You know, if you're living to 81, 82, then you know you've got that higher check for the rest of your life and you've locked that in so once you're made whole the question is would you have done better with your 401k, uh, you know, invested? Well, you're certainly not going to get a guaranteed 8% in the 401k, whereas you are with Social Security. Um, you know, I think the other thing to consider is just, you know, how is that portfolio doing and has it recovered by the time you retire from what we've experienced last year and, you know, what we still have to experience if we're headed toward a recession this year? And I think that would be another consideration is, you know, are you comfortable in any of those losses and you know starting to take that out, but again it 's only five percent a year, maybe six percent a year, so I think you know you probably should be in pretty good shape. The idea would be that you 'd invest that in such a way that you could offset that you know that that you know typically we say try to take four percent a year, but even if you took five or six, the goal would be to replenish as much of that as you can, so you 're not even really seeing that balance decline a whole lot through a small portion in stocks and a larger portion in fixed income. So I guess all that to say... I like this idea, Jack, um, be, for the reasons that I mentioned. Especially if we keep this money invested and try to grow it uh, with the money that's in it, so we can offset as much of that forty to fifty thousand as possible. And you know, if you're in good health and uh, the Lord has, still has you here for a while, then uh, you know you'll lock in those eight percent increases on your Social Security. Does all that make sense?
2: Yeah, it it makes sense, but. I I rolled my 401k out of my company plan okay. like early part of this year. So I missed a lot of the downside Yeah, and about 75% Good. of it is still in cash. So I, I've got to put that back in, you know. Yeah. Do part. you have an so,
0: advisor that's going to be making those decisions for you or how do you plan to select the investments?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they was the one telling me I needed to wait to 70 to. Okay. And Good. Said, no, 401k would grow up to make up that difference. Yeah, I mean, I would,
0: I would expect, you know, depending on how conservative you want to be, at least a good portion of it. If you're taking 6% a year, I wouldn't necessarily expect you to make that up, especially given what we think we're going to see with more of a sideways market these next couple of years. But yeah, I think over the long haul, you should be able to make up much of it. And I like the fact that you're locking in that higher check. I think this is a good time, even though there's still some uncertainty ahead before the market recovers for you to get that money working for you. And so perhaps it's a time to visit with your advisor and say, hey, what's our game plan? And maybe we ought to dollar cost average back into the market with the 75% that's still in cash. So we're buying at a discount and get that money growing for you between now and retirement and then, you know, start drawing out, obviously, whatever you need to fund your expenses at that point. So I think this is a good plan um, and, and I concur with your advisor on it.
2: All right. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks for calling. We appreciate you checking in with us today. A quick email. Harvey writes and asks, How can we contribute to ministries anonymously and still have a record of our giving for income tax purposes? Yeah, this can be challenging if you're giving uh, giving direct to the ministry because they don't know who to issue the contribution statement to, and therefore you can't deduct it. Here's a way around that. A giving fund at the National Christian Foundation essentially a donor-advised fund. You'd make a gift to your donor-advised fund. You get the contribution receipt, which you can use for the IRS, and then you'd grant it out at whatever timeframe you want and to whatever ministry or charity you want. Uh, and you can do that anonymously so that's one way to do an anonymous gift and still be able to claim it on your taxes if you itemize. Well that's all our time for today but before we go I want to say thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks for your calls. Thank you for listening and thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry you know beyond the broadcast we have an entire team of contributors and web designers and media producers working each day to produce tools and content to help you be Become a better biblical money manager. And none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free, and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our new website, faithfi.com? That's faithfi.com. Then click the Give button to sign up, and we'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, please set a reminder on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here and I hope you will be too for the next edition of Faith and Finance. We'll see you then. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.